Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. My guest this week is freelance journalist and the frontman of Waco, Jack Hutchcraft. We talk about being a freelance journalist, surprisingly. We talk about the band Waco. We talk about the porn star, Ben Dover. We talk about uh, the fabled and long-historied story of the proposed road near Stonehenge and how every story has many different sides when you're a journalist. Uh, what else do we talk about? Oh, uh, Jack was... Uh, down visiting us from London. He was writing a piece on me for Kerrang! magazine called The Punk Rock Mayor of Froome. We had a great day. We had some beers. Jack had to nip off, actually, uh, slightly early and get a train back to London. So this is going to be part one of uh, an ongoing conversation, I think, because Jack has such an interesting and fascinating life and career uh, that I feel that there are many more conversations to be had with him. So keep your eyes peeled down the line for more conversations with jack hutchcraft but this one was great i really enjoyed hanging out with him uh here it is enjoy jack hutchcraft <laughs> andy rintmore hey how, how you doing i'm good man i've, I've never been better I'm in Froome. We're in Froome. Welcome to Froome. Thank you. I do feel most welcome. Good. I feel like uh, it's lived up to my expectations, which were that it's it's welcoming, it's creative. Yeah. And it's in the countryside, right? Yeah. The countryside. It's in the countryside. <laughs> it's in the countryside. Mate, it's great. I love this place so yeah. much. And I, and and I was re- I'm so I'm so big love to Tom McGuin. I'm so glad that we went to Tom's today to um and that ring he's made. Did you did you see it? I didn't get it to get to see it now. It's a silver uh silver ring and it's kind of I am not sure how to describe it, but it's kind of textured. Yeah. It's kind of like bumpy and wavy, but it's not jagged, it's very smooth and stuff. And uh, we're gonna look at it soon and see whether we're gonna get it like rough or or smooth or whatever. Is that may mayoral? Mayoral. Um it uh, it what? won't be an official piece of jewelry but yeah. i think he he did it because he's 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 always been a big supporter of mine and and i think he's so excited by the by the new position he was like i'll make a new ring nice and, uh, that's and, a good compliment and it's it's great like there are a few people around that tom's made bits for and it's always because he he really loves what they're doing and it's kind of, it's like it's a gift and it's like here's something i can do really well and i'm going to give it to you and it's it's all i think it's a big honor really because tom's like He's a legend. I think so too, yeah. Anything, yeah, it's like, it's like creating a piece of art for you. Yeah. Because really? that's what it is. It's really quite loving, isn't it? Definitely. So, um, yeah, I could have stayed there all day really drinking. It was really great. Yeah, it, w- it was great to see his, his studio. He's a goldsmith, right? For people yeah. that, well, actually people who have listened to the podcast probably know him because he was on it. And he's going to be on again. Oh, we just right. confirmed him for a, for a really special little... Um, Scenario. Oh yes, yes, yes yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be it's really a good one. So you've come from London to Froome. Yeah, we'll bring we'll bring people in. You're a freelance journalist. Mm-hmm. You play in Waco. Any other ti- any other things? Any other titles you want me to? Uh, um, fashion icon, fashion icon. Yeah, that that's on there definitely. Northern I mean, look at my leather waistcoat, mate. It, I, it, it, you have to be fairly. Cocksure, confident to wear a leather waistcoat these days. You sent me the picture of you on the train with your tickets, and yes. I was going to wear my leather cut, 
And uh, I was like, oh, I can't wear my leather cut though. We look like the Warriors or something. <laughs> Get a name on, but on I was back. thinking of like lame sons of anarchy, but like, no, yes. the Warriors, man. <laughs> Warriors. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a journalist and I'm a musician and they, they do sometimes overlap because I write about music and... I get I get quite an interesting perspective. Like I don't just write about music. I write about all, like culture and subculture and um, anything that takes my fancy, really. But uh, but some I get quite a unique perspective in that. Like I'm in a band and then I write about bands, and you kind of see how the other side works a little bit. Yeah. And uh, the music press is fucking shite. Basically, it's 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 tough, man. It's it's like in, like, in, like, in from, what from, way is it shite? Like well, it, it's it's. It's funny for me because I receive loads of PR emails, for example, you know, hot new thing, best new band, hotly tipped for 2021 and all this. And I hate to say it, but I don't read them all or take them very seriously. Yeah. And then I'm on the other side of it in a band sending out emails to the journalists. They're like, yo, check us out, you know. And it's just like, wow, how do you stand out from like, uh, from the waterfall of emails that people get every day mm. and so i see that it's i think the system's a bit broken or maybe it's given me a different perspective on how to cultivate a fan base in, right. in a band just gigging just getting out there and speaking to people at gigs and doing decent merch and selling it for an affordable price and just making music that you're passionate about and kind of not relying on the music press or radio because I think it's a bit of a... It can be sometimes a bit of a... I don't know, a bit of nepotism in there. People yeah. know each other and then they, they help each other out. And unfortunately, uh, I, 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 I've played a part in that sometimes as well. You know, right. I know a band because I've seen them play live and I like them personally. I'm, yeah. I've met them. And then I'll write a thing about them. Unfortunately, it's fucked up, but it, it works like that sometimes. But if they're worthy of... <laughs> I know what you're saying... But if they're worthy of the exactly. article I'm or the exposure, about, yeah. it's not like it's not that you've got a friend and you you really love him and he's great and he's shit and you're like <laughs> yeah. I'm still going to do it for you anyway. There's still some integrity in what you're doing. You know, you're you're, you're yes. still writing about something because you believe in it. And it and I guess part of it is that you know you like these people and they're your friends because you believed in it and you got involved. Exactly, exactly. It's kind of like a chicken or, chicken or egg kind of situation. Yeah. You don't know. You're like, oh, good guys good band let's do something but really what i'm really interested in in journalism is is talking about in my journalism is talking about things that are, um speaking to people and giving them a voice where they otherwise don't always have one on, right. on a bigger platform um and that could be marginalized people of some sort or misunderstood people i guess or sometimes quite derided people right that that that, that are kind of not seen always or seen are seen in a certain way and I'm kind of looking at, from a compassionate point of view or oh, there's some there's a human being there you know let's, yeah. let's see them so I've written about religious groups uh that have been described as cults before for example okay who who because your band's called Waco is that anything to do with the way the Waco siege thing? yeah yeah and the Waco and the cults and stuff yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah oh. it, it is and that was I mean it's, I guess it's quite a striking name yeah but it's uh it's got connotations <laughs> yeah yeah of course and that was that if people don't know what that was it was a a strange clashing of the modern world and kind of the spiritual world like the ATF who were part of the FBI they were the um 
they were a division of the of the FBI. They right. went head to head with a religious cult called the Branch Davidians, and they had a shootout right. in, in Waco, Texas. They had a shootout instead of them closing the commune and everyone leaving peacefully. It was like, no, no, we're we're packing heat. You know, we've got we've got weapons in. Right. They had a shootout, and then eventually the um, the U.S. Uh, government, I guess the uh, the the FBI, the ATF, um, they the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms department. Yeah. They killed them all, right? Apart from a, I think like nine people cults survived. kill themselves. They do sometimes. Well, not they employ they, they implode and they and they they take right. their own life. But these guys were killed, and I think that's pretty twisted. You know, I'm, I believe in freedom of belief. Obviously, yeah. you know, like that's 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 a pretty basic. See, I human assume. Right. Sorry, I assumed that they were killed because. They were, they were, they resisted. Well, I just, I don't know much about it, but I, I assumed that they were being led by some sort of megalomaniac, which is what all cults seem to be led by. Yeah. And that they were um, a bit like the Manson family, maybe, like they, possibly they're up to no good or they were planning things and they were a threat to people. But I didn't know, that I, I didn't know that they, this happened just basically because they were. A, well, well, to be honest, you, right. you, you have, you've tapped into something that right. I guess, I guess, um, they had a lot of weapons, and they were led by a megalomaniac right. a guy called David Koresh. Okay, that's what they call the Branch Davidians, and they were a, a subsect of the um, of Christianity. Really, like, I mean, like they were spin-off, right. you know. And uh, <laughs> we're a spin-off, <laughs> spin-off, you know. Right. And um, and then, so I guess they could have been perceived as a threat. Right. I mean, in America, a lot of people are perceived as threats, but yeah. they have a lot of weapons. And the guy um, David Koresh was selling weapons, which sounds quite triggering you know no pun intended right. but um but you can sell weapons in america right you know you can sell handguns if you want so i think that he had a lot of weapons and that was his uh, that was his that, gig that, was it that was like, his gig selling weapons right as far as i know I, do you know what? i haven't read about it for a long time and they um and then the fbi went in to shut them down because they were living outside of of the law right yes they were living their own way in off a commune, grid. right grade kind of thing and then the and then the world government sometimes like to control what people do, right? Yeah. They want people to live inside of a framework. And these guys didn't fit in that way. And they weren't perfect. And the guy might have been a bit of a, a wrong and yeah. you know, he had loads of girlfriends and this kind of thing. Yeah. But they went in with heavy hands and they were met with heavy hands because the, these religious devotees were like, nah, mate, like you're not taking you're not taking this from right. us. And they, so they had a shootout. So we're called Waco. It's pretty, I guess it's quite a striking name, but I think it's quite important to read about that kind of thing because you think, you know, what the powers that be are meant to protect us. Well, hold on. They, they, they fucking killed like, like over a hundred people in Waco, Texas. Yeah. Um, it's a massacre. It's a I massacre. Guess. I guess. Yeah. It is. Yeah. 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 And, um, and in that way, I think it's good to question our governments and good to question, uh, uh to bite the hand that feeds, so to speak, right. even just, in our thoughts, you know, to go like, oh, hold on, maybe things aren't what they seem. And if you live in the UK and you, and you you've seen the way the conservative government have handled the um, the pandemic and things like that, it's it's not easy to think, holy shit, we're being lied to a bit. And this, I'm I, I, I'm not even like a, I, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a tame a tamer on the tamer end of conspiracy theorists. Right. Yeah. But, but that's that's not you how to say that the, maybe there's something in the conspiracy, but it's not always you know yeah. you don't not buy every, the whole thing exactly. Not right. every, not everything is right. I think this is where I, th- I think a lot of conspiracy theorists or big voices in that in that world 
I think they fall, sh- they, they give themselves illegitimacy by believing everything and working it into their theory. Right. Sometimes things just happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, so David Icke, for example, yeah. the pandemic hit, he's been saying stuff for years about, you know, the Royal family of reptilians and, and, and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And yeah. then sometimes things happen and they just happen. It's yeah. not all part of the same plan. Yeah. But I guess when you're making money from it or your whole character is based on it, yeah. uh, then it, it, it works well for you if it's all part of the same um, all part of the same big plan. Whereas I'm like, I'm, 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 a, I'm more of a question everything guy, even the conspiracy theories. Right. Come on, like, yeah. Like, how can you say question everything but go, oh, remember that thing they said? Yeah, I'm just going to take it on face value. Yeah. You know, that, that YouTuber told me th- something. I'm just <laughs> going to believe it and not do any of my own research. So yeah. I'm all for questioning things. Everything. Right. <laughs> do you believe do you believe david ike do you believe what he says do you because I, I always wonder with like alex jones as well it's mm-hmm. like it, you know at some point he realized hang on a minute there's people you know, there's money. People, are, people are digging this you know, and i'm selling these weird little products that you like little droplets you put in your water to make it safe because yeah. i told them that put in fluoride or something in it. <laughs> you know what i mean all these in supplements supplements yeah. and frogs gay yeah and all that <laughs> crap right and, and it's like i wonder if at some point he's gone Oh, you know what? This is actually good for me. This yeah. is this is a character now. Like, I wonder if David Icke, like the reptilian but, thing, is kind of just fun, isn't it? Well, well, yeah. Do you know, I what? wouldn't I, like I, to I, believe I, that. That would be horrible to believe that. That's to have a worldview where you think that's the mm. truth. Well, do you know, do you know, I, I have I have thought about this a lot because you think like, yeah, you know, when when something becomes um, when the character almost becomes bigger than you and yeah. bigger than your theories, and and it's almost like a parody of itself. Yeah, but then like. David Icke, for example, I heard an interesting theory that, so you know how he kind of came out as like um, an alternative thinker, I guess. He, he was on Terry Wogan, Terry right. Wogan's show. And he was like, because he's a football player, right? He's a goalkeeper. Was he? He was goalkeeper. I yeah. didn't know. I knew he I was, was something and then he... And then he switched it up. And then he switched <laughs> up and was like kind of strange. Yeah. And, and I always, I, I assumed he was, I thought he was a regular journalist and he fell from grace, and then he just went all wacky. But uh, I think he was. I think right. he was a footballer. Okay. Oh God, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, he. Um, but he said, "I'm Jesus Christ," which he didn't say anymore. He said, "I am the Son of God." He so said he's lost Ter- me already at that point. On, well, yeah. It, on Terry Wogan, he said that, and it was so bombastic and outrageous that everyone was like, "Oh my God, he's lost it!" And it, it made for good TV. And you can see that he's a little bit. I could see, I thought that he looked a bit troubled. Yeah. You know, you're looking in his eye thinking, is everything okay? Is he having a bit of a nervous breakdown? Yeah. And then, and then he has a lot of other theories that kind of came out after that and over the years that are not, well, for me, not that far out. Yeah. So there's a theory that, um, that maybe said these really outrageous things to get him on the map. And then when you have people, when you have all eyes on you, then you can start saying, oh no, actually we're being controlled by fear, by advertising, by, uh, you know, like we're, you know, all these things that are actually much more um, w- within the realms of, of you know, w- 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 within believable territory. Right. But by saying, I am the son of God, that's what he, he says that. I am uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then he never said it again ever in his career. He's never right. said that since. Like John Lennon. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Jesus. So, so maybe, yeah. So maybe the reptilian thing is quite similar. He does mention that quite a bit, but, right. but you know, it's like, come for the reptilians, stay for the real theories. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, right. a, that's, that's an idea that, that's an idea that I've heard that maybe it's like, 
I get what you're saying. Yeah, you, you, yeah. There's actually some. There's, there's a kernel of truth in other things that he says, but he's like, I need to say something outrageous to get people listening. Right. I see what you're saying. It's yeah. a pretty bold tactic. So maybe maybe it's, it's wrong. It's a big gamble, isn't it? But he also says things like, um, like I think the problem is when you get bigger, like him and Alex Jones are good examples. John Ronson, the writer, um, he he described David Icke in in such a way, and I, I, it always sticks with me. He said. He's the sort of person that anything you tell him, he'll believe and work it into his narrative. Right. And that, I think, is unwise because yeah. that's like, I said, oh, by the way, the pandemic's fake. It's, it's all made up. He goes, okay, cool. Yeah, that actually works for my reptilian theory. Right. That works for my theory that the moon isn't real. Yeah. And, you, and you think like, sometimes you'd actually be more, you'd have more credence if you were like, no, hold on, that's bullshit. A, a, a volcano actually did erupt or you know an earthquake actually did happen it's not it's not all some part of part of some fruminati kind of thing fruminati <laughs> i'm in that uh, yeah so, yeah that's what that ring was for earlier oh of course yeah well, the fruminati it's, it's my fruminati ring um well i don't know what do you think about all, all that kind of thing do you think i think people are just trying to profiteer off, off followers or what I've believed some conspiracy theories. Yeah. And it's... And it's Sometimes they turn out to be true. You I mean, if that. you watch a lot of, like, Michael Moore stuff, yeah. and it's incredibly biased filmmaking. You get to the end of it and you go, that's it, I believe it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, it, and I don't always find that he presents the other side. So, and I think a lot of conspiracies are like that. And I think, I was having a chat with someone years and years ago, actually, Will Angelero, who's been on the podcast before. And when I was in school, I messaged him about the Mothman. I was like, oh, well, you heard about the Mothman? This is such a cool thing. This is an interesting piece of fiction, isn't it? Yeah. And, and he said... I don't know about the Mothman. Oh, well, it's, it's a, a big owl-like man who, yeah. like, appears... It's like a Jersey Devil kind of folklore. Yeah, thing. something like that. I can't quite remember now. It's been so many years since that. But there was a film made about it. And uh, there's a part of America where people go and visit and there's like a couple of spots where apparently he was seen and it's kind of a bit of a touristy thing and it brings a bit of money into this small <laughs> Come town. get your selfies with the math man. With the math man. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it's an interesting thing. But he said to me that, you know, the people who really believe in conspiracies are the ones that are not they're not um, satisfied with the way that the world is and they want more. That's interesting. And I thought, that's very, very interesting. Well, I, I'm not satisfied with the way the world works. And I, well, I said, it'd be great if... Stuff, if stuff is so unfair and unjust. Yeah, but I think, I think, I think what we mean is our, our reality. Oh, and sorry, so it's yeah. like, you, you know, oh, I was like, wouldn't it be great if we found a Bigfoot? If we actually found a Bigfoot, yeah. it'd be great. And why do I think that would be great? I don't know. Why? Because it would be out of the, out of the ordinary, wouldn't it? It'd be yeah, extraordinary. The ordinary life isn't that interesting. And interesting. And, 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 and I think there are a lot of people that want to believe these things because I think they've grown up thinking that the world is something it isn't. And maybe yeah. there's a part of that childhood sort of like, you know, anything can happen. We grew up watching Disney stuff and, and Star Wars and, yeah. and whatever. And, and, it's, and you feel like, and then people say to you, when you're older, you can be anything you want if you work at it and everything. And I think there's some lot of magical worldview or when you're young and, and, and innocent that, you know, you, you do think that everything's kind of wondrous and, and, and you don't know how anything mm -hmm. works. And I think maybe there's a part, I'm not saying that there's a part of that that stops developing and then it's, it, but I think that there's, there's something in that where... You want to, you want to, enchant the world a bit yeah i think re-enchant the world yeah because becoming an adult and losing that innocence it kind of sucks <laughs> oh yeah things are just 
Yeah. So things are just exactly as you see it. And, and it can be very boring. <laughs> there are no mysteries anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a very nice uh, And I think part of the conspiracy stuff, especially stuff like Bigfoot, Mothman, and yeah, yeah. lizards and things, maybe it's just part of part of your child that's you've managed to sort of save that's part of your inner child but then also we've seen this with the pandemic is when people feel that they've lost control over their lives yeah not a nice feeling not a nice feeling um they are more likely to believe conspiracy theories because it gives them a sense of order that they know what's going on it's something oh, yeah it's yeah. something to fit into a when everything's fucking wild and they don't know what's going on in oh, lockdowns and this, world and, right? If 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 there's a narrative comes along that helps them make sense of it and gives them a sense of control over what how they're experiencing their worldview, yeah. I think that's I think that's why in the last year conspiracy theories have been wild. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, because because it's a big thing to comprehend. I, I I kind of agree because sometimes things are like. It kind of works in in a weird way with um, with religious or spiritual beliefs. Sometimes I've got there are some parallels to be drawn because chaos, chaos, like if you're an atheist and um, and you believe that everything we see is 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 essentially chaos. It's a, it's random and it's chaos. Yeah, you could get hit by a car. You know, you could just drop you know drop dead at any point. Like these really bad and unjust and unfair things happen. Um, and they're very hard to explain. So you think like, well, um, it's much easier to be like, oh, it's all part of a, it's all part of a conspiracy against me. Or it's like, oh, it's part of God's plan. There's, yeah. there's a reason this is happening. Because no, like a lack of reason or lack of uh, rhyme or yeah, rhyme or reason for something, it, it's hard to comprehend. Because I guess our whole society is structured around. Because you structure. can't control it. <laughs> you can't, can't control, control it. it. Yeah, because, it's oh, you might get cancer tomorrow. You might right. just pass away. Oh, brilliant. You know what I mean? Like, 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 why? There is no answer to that. Exactly. That's harder to comprehend than it's like... scary. Yeah. Or, the, same as afterlife. Oh, nothing happens afterwards. Right. Oh, great. What, you expect me to just live my life and just know that nothing, you know, we just become worm food afterwards? Right. It's like, fuck you, man. I'd rather believe something cool happens. <laughs> but I will say with, with conspiracy theories, theorists and and the whole rhetoric around it. I do think, I mean, uh, it's getting a bit, it gets a bit tribalistic where it's like, oh, if you you believe, if you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you're an absolute nut job who believes the Queen's Queen's a lizard and all this, you think, dude, sometimes conspiracy theories are true. They just are. I understand a broken clock is right twice a day. I understand that analogy. But also, like, if I told you, 10 years ago that I thought the NSA were spying on our text messages or looking at our emails. Like people were saying that yeah. before, it came, before Edward Snowden leaked it. Yeah. Like people were saying that and they sounded like nutters at the pub who like were paranoid. paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it came out. It's true. It's like, it's like, I mean, I mean, you, you can't just, and also the government does lie. It's proven to have lied. And, and like, yeah. there's it, a rationale not, not even, for that as well. At least you can understand like kind of, why they would do it. Yeah. It's kind of self-protection to be like questioning things. Yeah. Like, you know, we've been lied to loads of times. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. and, and nothing happens. Yeah. And then, so I think with the pandemic, we're in a very unique situation and, and it's the government's fault really. And even big pharma and, and mainstream medicine in a way where people have been lied to a lot. And, yeah. and, and in America, for example, big pharma profits off people's illness and they get them addicted to painkillers and drugs for their whole life and they've been 
they've been lied to over and over again. Then when something, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Mm. Then when something serious comes along, people uh, are distrusting of the government and they think, oh, you just want to wear, us to wear masks because you want to control us. Because yeah. so many other, there's so many other examples throughout history where they have lied to us. So the responsibility doesn't just lie with people and the people profiteering from it, but for the, to the governments and the bigger corporations and big pharma and all these things that have lied to us. It's yeah. like, hold on, you can't lie to us and then go, by the way, this thing's true though. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, it's confusing. So they've created this maelstrom in which we live in, yeah. in which that these conspiracy theorists and these anti-vaxxers and all this kind of thing, they can flourish in a, in, in a, in a, a world full of disarray. Yeah. And that's been created by disinformation campaigns, by advertising, uh, misleading um, information from our government and all this kind of shit. They've created it. So I think that the... Almost the responsibility does lie with people and their own judgment, but also, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like you've, yeah, you've lied to me so many times. Why should I now trust you that that you've got my best interests at heart? Why would I trust you, yeah. Boris fucking Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> um, I made the mistake of saying anti-vaxxers, right? Yeah. Now I put up something saying, oh, if you're an anti-vaxxer, you know, put something on Instagram saying, you know, like, oh. Um, I don't take you seriously, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. And actually, that was wrong of me to do because what I created in that post was a uh, a separation. Di- of, right, a division. Of, a division of one or the other, right? Yeah. And someone, I'm, I'm not going to say who it was because I, <laughs> I, I don't think they would want me to... Um, name and- Name them. <laughs> not name and shame, but name them... Um, but it's probably someone we know, uh, a mutual friend. And they messaged me and they, and they were saying, oh, you know, I, 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 I kind of resent this anti-vax thing because, you, because it has connotations with paranoia and rubbish conspiracy theories yeah. and, 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 and some of the other stuff that's, you know, I, that, there's a lot of people I know during the pandemic that would share the anti-vax type conspiracies but then yeah. they would also share the lizard people thing yeah. and it's kind of like what you were saying earlier where it's like well you know I've, you've got no credibility with me now yes yeah you know I'm not now I'm now not listening to you because I think you're batshit yeah yeah um, but th- this person had a very kind of moderate I, you know it's somewhere in the middle of like I'm not an anti-vaxxer mm-hmm. I'm a skeptic and I'm looking into this and I'm doing this and that yeah and I and I've got and I've read this thing and I'm reading these papers and everything blah blah and I'm doing my own research and all that stuff and and actually I felt that they came they came their their counter their rebuttal to what I said was actually very measured and thought out and very quite sensible really yeah. and then I kind of felt like ah oh, you know like I've created this division here by mm-hmm. by saying it's one or the other when really it is a spectrum isn't it and it's got so much. Well, yeah, nuance it's fa- to it, where it's, it's like you may be skeptical, you may not want the the vaccine, but it doesn't make you an anti-vaxer. Exactly. It, I, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, like like I, I've I've noticed this. It's like it's like um, like it's your health at the end of the day. Yeah, it's like the only thing you have, the yeah. only thing you truly own is your body and your health, right? Yeah. And the only thing you really have is time on this earth, and and that's why you get a lot of. I guess a lot of parents that that that, that entertain anti-vax ideas because it's their kid, you know, it's it's your baby. Mm. Like in America, they have thirteen vaccines, like mandatory vaccines, thirteen. Right. In the UK, what do we have? Like two. 
I don't know, but yeah, like, but not, not many. That, so think about that. Like, like I don't surely, think I've ever had 13 injections of anything. Yeah, so, so even that, like, you know, it's like, I'm not saying don't get vaccinated, but I'm saying if you've had a beautiful baby boy, baby girl, you want the best for them. And then you think, hold on, this, this is the ph- pharmaceutical company that got me hooked to fucking Xanax all these years because right. they couldn't be asked to, or they couldn't, they, they didn't know how to solve my, I don't know, PTSD or something like that. So they, they just pumped me full of drugs. So I'm, I'm, I'm a slave to their system yeah. and I'm paying them money all these years. That's the same company that I want them to inject my newborn baby. Like yeah. you can understand the worries. That's all I'm saying. You can understand it. And so with this government, with, you know, with these dodgy contracts they've given to their mates, like, like Dyson, nepotism, nepotism yeah. like them giving Dyson, um, like a contract to make a breathing apparatus and they'd never done it before, but they're like Tony, Tory donors, like um, cronyism, I guess that's what they call it. Right. Like that's just fact. So why the, like, you know what I mean? Like why would they then, like, I've had my vaccine by the way. Right. I but need to book mine. I'm, I'm going to have my first dose. I'm going to have mine. Yeah. I've had my first dose, but, but you know what I mean? Like you do think like, well, hold on. Like the powers that be are telling us one thing, and they've got their mates making breathing apparatus for people. Uh, you know, like how, how, you know, it's good to be. I think it's healthy to be a bit skeptical sometimes, um, and it's totally understandable. And I don't like this anti-vax, vax thing, conspiracy theorist, non-conspiracy theorist. It's like, it's like, you know, how many people now believe that? Um, Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy by himself. Right. You know, it's pretty common that people think, no, there's more than one gunman. Yeah. Like, as far as I'm concerned, people question that JFK shooting all the time. He was shot like nine times by loads of different angles. It's almost, it's almost beyond conspiracy theory. It's just like a, a something that they teach in politics class. I learned about it in, in my um, politics at college. Right. They showed me a video of the JFK film by Oliver Stone. Mm. So therefore... Is that like, Leon? No. No, it's uh it's called JFK. Oh, okay. It's a great film. And it's a it's it's definitely erring on the side of uh there was more than one gunman and maybe right. the CIA set it up. But you think like, hold on, like yeah, I don't know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like 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 sometimes things become so, normalized. So, so, sometimes things sometimes it's absolutely healthy to question things. Yeah. Like the government are fucking crooks, man. Come on, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, well, yeah, <laughs> even I, people who are not interested think they're crooks and think they're money making scammers. Yeah. People who didn't vote in the last election, oh, I don't vote because they're all you know they're, they're all the same or whatever. That's even that's a, a rebellious standpoint. Yeah, I, a I went to um, standpoint. I went when you said about crooks. <laughs> I went to a school recently for um, kids with autism and Asperger's and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Extra like additional needs. Uh, as the mayor, so I had my chains on and strolling around. I opened up their um, I love that their new um, playground. It was really sick. And and as I was walking through the hallway, one kid said, "Are you the mayor?" And I said, "Yeah, that's right." And he said, "You don't look like the mayor. <laughs> you look like a gangster." <laughs> and I and I was like, and I kind of just smiled, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, this dude like knows, like not that I'm saying I'm a gangster, but that but the typically the the line between politician and gangster is a very blurry one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, I make your offer, you can. Right? <laughs> he was like nine. He's like, you look like a gangster, and I was yeah. like thinking like. This kid is smart. <laughs> yeah. He and, knows and you know, something. That's like programming. Right. Politicians, mayors look like this, look like this. Mm. 
you know, uh, uh, they're this kind of person, they're this kind of age. Yeah. From a very young age, from a young age, or people with different abilities can spot that. Yeah. You know, like you don't look like the mayor. Yeah. People have been programmed to believe that. That's why you see you don't see as many people of colour in Parliament, and you don't see you know as many. You see more women now, but you know for a long time it was just white men because people think that that's who should be in that position yeah. from when we're very young. That's crazy. It's deep, man. And, was, and, you, do, and you don't look like a mayor. No, that's I look what like makes a you a good mayor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to ask you as well, you know, your job as a journalist is to dive in behind the scenes, get the yeah. facts, figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And often you will find that things are not as they seem. So yeah. I was going to ask whether you think that journalists or maybe hardened, experienced journalists may be more susceptible to conspiracy theories and stuff because they've seen a lot of the time that actually they've had to go hunting for the for the truth and stuff is corrupt or stuff yeah. is secret and so do you think there's a do you think there's a paranoia that comes to you all uh well do you know what i've i've not really thought about that but i do think that i i, I do think if anyone's like if anyone's like me i don't really have many journalist mates but um you realize that things are much more complex than you think right or if you're a good journalist, like, well, if you're a good journalist, in my opinion, you're right, you're right, you'll, you'll often un- uncover that the story's way more complicated, that things aren't, aren't as, um, aren't as polarised as you think they are. Right, Good yeah. and bad, <clears throat> evil. It's not black and white, yeah. Not at all, not at all. Like, like, so I think you get used to being like, looking at both arguments or both sides of the coin and going like, well... You know, well, maybe, you know, have you thought about it from the other point of view? Or, you know, the reason people believe this is because of this. I guess it's a bit sociological. Like, you, you, like a good example is, um, I've been writing this piece about Stonehenge. Right. Um, and about the, there's a proposed road tunnel that's going to be built nearby. Yeah. Um, don't they want to go under it? They don't want to go under Stonehenge. Was, is that the, that's the, is that the, uh, that's, oh, they want to go under it. Uh, so right. that's interesting that you just said I that. I see. Because that's what I've heard. <laughs> and I was like, that's nuts, but all right. Yeah, that is nuts. That would be nuts yeah. if that was true. Okay. But it's right. not true. Interesting, right. So so, um, so this is one of these things where I've approached it because I'm... Disinformation. It's kind of disinformation or and it's like the emotional voices shout the loudest. Right. You know, and the emotional voices on this one, like protect Stonehenge. And I, I'm all for that. Like I, I go to the winter solstices... Um, I'm, I believe that it's a, it should be protected. It's a sacred site. Yeah. But the more research I did into it, the more I was like, this is well complicated right. and we're not getting the whole picture from either side, actually. Okay, interesting. So, so from either right. side, so, so it's not going to be harmless and it's not going to be better for the environment if they build this tunnel. Right. Some aspects of it might be better for the environment or at least seem to be. And but, what's the point of the tunnel to 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 funnel so, traffic more efficiently uh, to well, protect the, the stones from like carbon and shit in the air? Or what? What's the uh, what is the? So I'll, I'll try. I'll try not to go too deep. But there's the A three hundred three which passes by Stonehenge. Have you been there before? Oh, we've, yeah. Or, so you know forever. that. So you yeah. know that road. Yeah. It's a single lane road. Yeah. And it's always it's always traffic there, right? In yeah. my experience, it's always traffic. Oh, there. it's always packed. It's always packed, right? Yeah. That's because the A three hundred three is wider. It's a double carriageway either side of Stonehenge, either side, so it's a double carriageway in it, and then it narrows to a, a skinny road. Yeah. So obviously that, that bottlenecks. creates... Yeah. That bottlenecks it. And then uh, because they couldn't get the permission to widen the road near Stonehenge because uh, it's a bit of an eyesore, a big road there. So, But now the eyesore is there's a road there and it's got loads of traffic on it. Right. That road's been there since the 1700s. It's not a new road. Right. 
Okay, so it's always been there. Okay. Um, well, not always, but it's been there for a few hundred years. Stonehenge is like 5,000 years old, so it hasn't been there since the beginning. Um, That's any... relatively new, actually, really, isn't it? What? you think about it. Stonehenge. 5,000 years. Relatively. It is new. relatively new. It, it, it is, if Jesus were alive now, the stone, Stonehenge, would be older to him than he is to us. So it's still pretty old. Yeah. So it's, it, it... <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so this road, so, and a lot of people do rat running through these neighbouring, so these little villages like Shruton. A lot of people leave the road because they want to take a shortcut. Yeah. That makes the villages really congested. Congested. And, yeah. So these are the arguments for the road tunnel. The road tunnel will be further away than that road. That right. road will just be a footpath. Right. That'll be not a road anymore. It'll be further away, further south, and it'll be underground, obviously, because there's a tunnel. Uh, sounds like a good idea to sounds me. Sounds like a good idea, right? right. On paper. So okay. the... The, the reason it's so complicated is because um, is, there's, there's so many elements to it, but they want to increase the, um, the tra- they want to increase, they want to make it quicker to get from, uh, to get to that side of the country. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the bottleneck slows everyone down. It's not an ideal road to travel on. Yeah, all this kind of thing. And um, so they want to increase traffic for economic reasons. Right. And they want to reduce the rat running, so that's another reason. And they and they don't and they're saying it's not a good idea to have all this congested road right next to Stonehenge because it's an eyesore, but also all the cars moving very slowly is actually bad for the environment. So these are all highway England, highways England. That's their point of view. That's why they're doing it. Um, but and uh, but on, on on the flip side of that, the weirdly the kind of the anti-tunnel people are now campaigning indirectly on behalf of that weird skinny road that's always full because they're like, we don't need the tunnel. It's like, what, do you want the skinny road that's always packed? Right. So they're fighting for that accidentally because they, they don't want the underground tunnel to be built because right. the underground tunnel will be a lot of carbon emissions and it will actually, um, they, they say it will uh, it'll be, it'll, it'll, um, it won't adhere to the Paris Treaty, which is a, which is to do with uh, carbon emissions. Right. So just the building of it will it is not worth it. You know what I mean? Okay. Right. It's not worth, and also the amount of money they're going to spend on it, it's billions and billions of pounds. You think, we're just about to hit the worst recession. Uh, you know, some e- economists have said, we're going to hit the worst recession in, in years. The NHS is underfunded. Do we really need to be investing billions into this road scheme? Right. I'd say no. And Grant Shapps, who's the, um, the head of transport, um, for the Department of Transport, I think, right. I think that's his title. But he, but he, he was told by a, uh, a an independent body right. that they shouldn't build this tunnel because it, it'll do damage to the World Heritage Site. So Stonehenge is here; the World Heritage Site is massive around it. And right. if you dig under it, it's going to disrupt loads of ancient burials, whatever, whatever right, is under vibrations there. and things. Because exactly. they're always digging up foundations of things, aren't they? And, exactly. Right. So, so they said they shouldn't build it and he ignored right. them. It's almost like, why hire them in the first place? At some point though, we have to move forward, don't we? Well, the inter- so from our- like your Saxon foundations are incredible, but they had their time, they've been and gone and we can't keep everything. But, yeah. I, get, uh, but I understand, I do get it. Well, well, the interesting thing from an archaeological point of view, I interviewed right. two really leading archaeologists in, um, in their field and they both work together mm. in digs and Stonehenge and they both disagree. They think one thinks the road tunnel should be built. Yeah. The other one thinks it's too disruptive for, to the world heritage right. site. Interesting. Right. And, and they're friends. They went to university together. Right. And they were fascinating to interview because one of them said the process of 
archaeology is destructive in its nature. You right. dig it up. Like yeah. You're digging up old shit and then you're looking at it and you're examining it and you're trying to work digging out... Digging up old shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, yeah. so you, are ne- you are, by nature, it's destructive. You yeah. have to dig it up to look at it and then to work out how old it is and, and the history of the land and all this kind of thing. The other ones say, and, and to do that, they have to get university grants and things like that, which are very hard to, to get in the underfunded. So this is a... Um, a road scheme that's going to pay for all the excavation because they're not just going to dig it and put it in the bin. Right. They have a team um, of archaeologists that are going to dig it up, look at it, and then build the road tunnel. So it's actually really good in one point of view. Right, they're being responsible. Our, so it's one point, in one point of view, it's really good archaeologically because it's like, oh, we get to dig up loads of land and yeah. we get to look at what's under there. Okay. And the other side is like, it's a guy called Mike Parker Pearson who's really anti-road. Right. He's like, they don't actually thoroughly look through all that shit only four percent of it will be actually have like looked at and and, and right. studied so, so it's they're, almost they're both like saying, lip service they're both saying like the opposite thing one saying and also a quite interesting thing that um mike pitt said the this is the other archaeologist he said the the, the world heritage site mm. is it's just been made up at some point like like in the modern in the modern era They've just drawn a line on the map and gone, that's the World Heritage Site. In fact, the World Heritage Site is actually way bigger than that. And it's right. already got houses on it. It's already got villages and houses built on it. You know, it's, in Neolithic terms, that, that, that line on the map means nothing. So he right. goes, you've already built houses on it. Why don't we just fucking build a, build a, mo- build a, a road tunnel as well? Because you've just made it up anyway. The, the, yeah. actual, the actual landscape is ancient and it's way bigger than that. So... so in the Neolithic times, they didn't just draw a line on the map and go, this is a World Heritage Site. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. We've made it up. Yeah. So he's saying, with that in mind, when they built flats nearby for, um, for soldiers, which was like, I think like 10 years ago, in the dig- when they dug up the land to build the flats on, he said they made some of the best discoveries they've ever made. Because right. they, they never had permission to do that and they didn't have the funding to do that. Right. So... Basically, it's complicated. I don't think they should build a road tunnel. I think it's a waste of money. It's a waste of carbon emissions. I think we need bigger roads to create more cars. Everyone I interviewed said that it, it creates more traffic if you have a wider road. Right. I don't think we should do that. Um, I think less roads. Uh, if, the, if the lockdown has taught us anything, you don't need to travel so much for work. You can do it from home. All this kind of shit. I don't think we should. But in my research, to go back to what your original question, I've realized it's way more... It's way compli- way more complicated. Like the, I've spoke to a woman from Shroot in the little village. She's like, I've been campaigning for a different road for 30 years because right. outside of my house, it's like lorries going past in this little village. Yeah. So you think, wow, so whoever wins, someone's going to lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or, or a whole group of people are going to lose out. So it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, there's a court hearing on the 23rd to the 25th of June and the anti-road protesters, the Save Stonehenge World Heritage Site, that's what they're called, they've, ta- they've taken them to court to, to uh, talk about the legality of the decision to build the road tunnel. So maybe it won't actually happen. Right. But what I found out is it's way more complicated and there's way more, there's way more, a lot more disinformation than you think. So yeah, journalists maybe are more open-minded to conspiracy theories because you're like, hold on, that's not true. I know that's not true because I've done a little bit more digging than your average Facebook user or whatever. So, so, perhaps, so you said, is the road tunnel going to go under the stones? No. Right. It never, ever was. It's actually further away from the stones than the, the right. road is already. I see. So therefore, you're an example of the wrong information getting to people. And I think 
a lot of it comes down to distrust of these yeah. road schemes and the lies in the past and the heavy handedness that they were in the 90s when they were dragging hippies out of trees. It, a lot of it comes down to that. But I do think it weakens your argument if you're spreading disinformation, even if it agree, even if it valid, um, validates or confirms what you believe. Yeah. Like you, you, you can't be saying it's going under the stones, man. That's just wrong. That's just yeah. not true. Or they're going to knock down the stones. I found this public service announcement from an American dude on Twitter going, we need to stop, save the stones. They're going to they're gonna knock down the stones. This is the travesty. I thought, you've never been to Stonehenge in your life. Where are you getting this information from? <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, yeah. it, uh, whereas the people who want the road actually live nearby and see the stones every day, they understand it's way more complex. Right. Anyway, you can tell I've just written an article about it. I can, <laughs> I can talk all day, man. So I think it's interesting. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if a journalist who isn't open to a conspiracy theory is, is worth their salt. They're, they're, they're quite opinionated journalists and right. they're not always open-minded, strangely. They're, 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 sometimes, in my experience, they can be like, mm, I've got an idea of something, I'm going to write an article, find out. I'm going to write an article in a way or report in a way that confirms what I already believe. Right. That, that drill music makes young people violent, for example, right. or that illegal raves are to blame for the spread of COVID. That's mm. another thing that you can, if you look really hard, you can, you can, you can make a case for it because you can connect anything. I wrote a thing right. about illegal raves as well. And that was the sun on Sunday. Obviously the sun on Sunday. Uh, they did a, they did an investigation where they linked a smattering of illegal raves, about hundred or 200 people each to the spread of COVID. Right. So you're like, oh, are you kidding me? It's not, it's not that we locked down too late. It's not that the government have, have been like absolutely shite at spread, like spreading awareness. And it's, it's what, it's illegal raves. Is that to blame? Right. I don't think it is, but they, you can connect any dots you want. So sometimes journalists are quite, they have an idea in mind and they'll... They see what they want to see. They'll see what they want to see. Or right. they, yeah, and they omit information that doesn't fit with their the narrative. narrative. Right. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm speaking generally, but that's what I've noticed anyway. That is interesting. So tell me about your, tell me about your journalistic style. How do you, so you're here hanging out with me today. Like we said at the beginning of the podcast, I've been showing you around the town. And yeah. Took you to the record store and went and hung out with, with Tom and got some lunch and stuff. How, how do you see this, this piece that you're going to pitch about the punk rock mayor and all that sort of stuff? <laughs> how are we, cause I said something to you earlier about Gonzo, journalism yeah. i don't know i'm that i sometimes i say it and i think i don't really fully know what that is i just <laughs> i just think of hunter s thompson of like you know Wait. we were in there with the hell's angels yeah. and the cocaine was flowing <laughs> and this girl said do you want to come with me and i said hey fuck no and then <laughs> it was it's like it's like it's kind of there's a realness to it but I, just tell me tell me what your style is well do you know what it's not too different to that i guess right. you know i wouldn't claim to be a proper gonzo journalist but it's more um, I'm not weirdly I'm, I'm a writer and I do make documentaries but writing isn't my passion I, I've never dreamed of writing books one day I, I'm more like I want to go and live and meet people and and kind of put myself in their shoes and 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 then write about it afterwards you know communicate my my experience tell a story like yeah I'm a, I'm a storyteller I guess right so for that Stonehenge piece for example I went and spent like a day with people that a camping out on the route of the road at a Stonehenge right. protest camp. And like, you know, I sat with them and I learned how they live and I saw where they eat and they showed me the tents that they lived in that were made out of like tarpaulin and hay bales and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. It's better than 
for me, that's way better than looking at something on, online and then casting a judgment. That's why I wanted to come and see you today to see Froome and to see, meet you and to see, um, you know, I guess, I guess walking your footsteps a little bit. Right. And so I guess it is a bit gonzo and Hunter S. Thompson did it really well. And, and you kind of, you kind of, to, to gain trust and to make an intimate piece, which I always try and aim to do, that's fair and reflective of the people that I, that I hang out with. You have to get quite close to them. Right. And luckily I'm quite, uh, people seem to like me or, you know, if they don't, they don't, but you know, I, I seem to get on with a lot of yeah. different kinds You're of people. You're very personable. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like a scene in the, in the, I think it's the Beatles help when they're in the, um, it's, um, I think it's John Lennon and Ringo in the lift and Ringo says something to John and John goes um, well you're very polite aren't you <laughs> there you go <laughs> that's what I'm riding on he's like oh thanks uh, and so yeah I've like I've gone to protest camps and I've, I've, I've stayed there slept in teepees with people and, and done that kind of thing because you, you kind of think you have to draw a line where you're like, I do, you don't want to get so close to it. It's just a fluff piece when you're like, oh, I like this person. So I'm just going to, you know, blow smoke up their ass and, 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 and go too far that way. But also you're like, you know, you don't know how people, what people are really like or how they really live or what their beliefs are. And, and until you get face to face and you chat into them like we are now, or you go and sleep on the floor in their teepee, you know, in, in rural Wales, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't know, you don't really, I think it's a very good way to get to know people. And also... I'm compassionate. I love people, man. Like yeah. it, 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 it seems weird, but I just, I want people to understand each other better. And right. I, if I can be a, a vehicle, one of many, because there are many amazing journalists and filmmakers and, and musicians and everyone that communicate this. But if I can be a bit of a bridge between two very different types of people or people that don't understand each other, then I'm happy, man. That, that is great. Like I, I, I lead with compassion first. That is right. it. That is, that's my, um, driving force and when, I, when you were saying you want to get there and you get in their shoes and be around them i started thinking about louis theroux i mean that's a that's a yeah. different kind of journalism again isn't it yeah but he's very willing and i think to to degree louis theroux is a bit of a construct but not that i dislike him yeah i like but him. i think he knows what he's doing he's sure, very smart yeah. he, he knows what he's doing um how 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 much of of what you do see is is so informed by the first hand experience? Like, have you seen pieces that you've written that, about things that you've talked to people about over the phone, and then seen the the one that you've written about something similar where you've actually been there and yeah. and done it, and you see that the depth and the I suppose it, it maybe allows you to con because how are the how are you supposed to convey the message or the experience or the plight or the mm -hmm you know whatever if you don't fully you haven't experienced exactly it, right yeah no i know what you're getting that it's difficult because sometimes you're also against the clock like you know you, get, you have a deadline so i was writing about a religious group and another religious group and they um in london and they and they were uh i spent a bit of time with them but i had a deadline right. and like you know i'd see them at the weekend a bit and then i kind of wrote what I could get to know about them yeah. in like four weeks, which isn't very much unless you spend a lot of time with them. I'd see them like once a week and I interviewed them and then they kind of let me in a little bit. And then I actually wanted to learn more about their beliefs after the article went out. So this is just on my own back. Right. So I, I, I visited them a long time for like, for, sorry, often for like two years 
just to learn more about them. And I thought, wow, if I'd have written that piece after knowing them for this long, it would be quite different. Right. But I guess it it was like uh, first impressions. Like like it's um yeah, it, it's different. I can tell the difference between my writing when I'm like, I spoke to that person on the phone, I know fuck all about them. We spoke about the subject in hand. Yeah. Whereas getting to know them and also just as like you can learn to like someone or sorry, you, you can see the positives in someone that you, you've gone, you have a negative opinion of, of in your head or you think that they might be a bit of a crook or whatever. Same could happen the other way around. When you're like, oh, this person's a good person. Then you get to know him like, oh, you know, actually they're a bit flawed in their philosophy is a bit flawed or whatever, or maybe they're a bit more judgmental than I was expecting. Yeah. And that's valid as well because it's kind of my duty to be fair and fair means honest. And that doesn't mean I admit, you know, I admit if someone's a bit of a dickhead or a bit of a... Well, do you know what, actually? Sometimes I do... I, do you know what? Sometimes in the past I've thought... You've made me think there. I've thought, do I keep that part in this story? Is it important to the story? So, for example, I did a piece about Television X, you know, the porno channel. Oh, yeah, yeah. The on Sky. No, so, I don't know. I don't <laughs> about it. You never heard of it? No, what so... That? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me neither. That's why I wanted to investigate it. <laughs> So uh, it was more about the history of Television X. 10-minute previews, mate. That's all I know. <laughs> so it was kind of the history of Television X, but they were doing a Christmas single. And a went, Christmas single? Yeah, it's bonkers. It was called Coming for Christmas. It was, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go. Pull that shit up, Jamie. <laughs> and we'll have to get up. You have to listen to it, man. It's so funny. And um, it was like uh, porn stars that were, were singing Coming for Christmas. And, and I was hanging out with... Um, them for a day as they were shooting the video and doing like softcore porn stuff. And then uh, Ben Dover, famous British porn star, interesting guy. Right, I bet. Yeah, and yeah. He, he was like an older dude who'd been in it for years. He was like, he was like in, tele, in porn when they were like swapping VHS when it was illegal. Like when porn was illegal <laughs> in the UK. He's prohibition porn star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> goes, I used to go to the Ace Cafe in London and like, and like sell tapes of me having sex with women. <laughs> like out of my... Out of my uh, <laughs> Out of a briefcase. I was like, fucking hell. So like all these fighters. Come in the toilet. Yeah. Come in the toilet. Do you want to see me have sex with someone? Here we go. Do I? <laughs> do I ever? Here we go, boys. Yeah, so he used to do that. So he was like an old school guy. And and I and then I spoke to him and he plays in Guns to Roses. A Guns and Roses tribute band. <laughs> so he started, I could have written a whole thing about him. He was yeah. an interesting dude. I want to get him on the pod. Can well, you, can yeah, you... I can hook you up, man. All right. And, okay, uh, cool. and, he, and then he went into some really... Um, anti-immigration like really oh, no, I don't want him on the yeah, pod yeah. he went yeah. to some really anti-immigration Brexit rant with me for ages yeah. in, the, in the thing as my as my um, recorder was as my dictaphone was recording and he right. was talking about you know or, you, you know, you see him everywhere nowadays and I was kind of shite uh, yeah, and I was yeah. like okay and then I thought I thought he talked about it so much but I, 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 I thought not to protect his reputation but I thought I can't, I, I don't, I Does didn't see the worth. from the story? I didn't, I didn't really see the worth in putting that in. Right. Because I thought, we're talking about the history of porn in, in the UK and Television X and this Christmas single. And he talked a lot about how much he, he thought Brexit was a great idea or, or whatever it was. This is before Brexit had happened. Right. Uh, before it was even voted on. Right. Before Years it was a conversation. Ago, it was like, yeah. Interesting. So he was like, oh, you know, he, he was early on Nigel Farage kind of head. This right. from my memory anyway. Yeah. And, um, and I, 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 and I made the choice to not put it in. And now I'm, I'm, now I'm second guessing it, but I thought, well, what does that add to the story? Right. It might make you dislike this guy, think he's a dick. It might make you like him more if, if, you, if you agree with that sentiment. But I did yeah. think, 
what what's the worth in you know what's the worth that so i guess i do i guess i do omit things that i that perhaps other people would think are important to a story yeah i don't know is that important to the story it's an interesting detail but i don't think i think possibly there's a part of you now that's worrying if you're being covering up for him or something but you're not protecting his reputation at the end of the day it's a washed up old porn star banging on about um, xenophobic right-wing politics is like how interesting is that to <laughs> to the story when well, you've ben, got Ben Dover's totally gone down in my expectations r- r- right like where, where, did was he, most, yeah. where did he start you know well, what I mean? you know what? So, it was interesting for someone who's so I guess in some respects liberal he, he wanted he was really campaigning going to court for right. trying to campaign to get um people's right to have sex on camera and right. make that legal. You know what I mean? That's quite like a, okay. that's quite like a, that's a not, not, not a very conservative yeah. standpoint. And for them, for him to then come out with some very, I would say quite conservative views of like old English values. Yeah. I was thinking, isn't that funny? You were talking to me a minute ago about um, how, you know, how, how bonkers it was that you couldn't have sex on camera. And now you're saying, oh, bloody hell, you know, the, the buddy's taking our, you know, taking our Jobs. nationality or whatever. And I thought, I thought, you, you know, I was a bit surprised, but again, I didn't think it was worth putting in. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it depends what you're there to do. You have to ask yourself, am I there to promote this coming for Christmas yeah. um, absurd Christmas single? It's a PR stunt, really, isn't it? it oh, know. no, no, no. It's a banger. You think to yourself, like, you know, what are you here for? Are you there to expose Bend Over? <laughs> Right, or you, if that is his real name, if it's even your name, or are you there to do what you're there to do? Right? Yes. And it's just, I don't know, the way I'm seeing that in my head is that you're the journalist there, and and he's some old has been porn star, mm. and he's just chewing your ear off about shit. What, well, yeah, exactly. And you're just exactly. like, cool, man, yeah, cool, man. Like, that's not really that's yeah. not what, what I'm here for. So, that's I, not a story it, in, in it, my it, eyes. It's interesting, it's an interesting part of this, this podcast, like that. that things that happen to you on the peripheral while you're in these little yeah. situations. But like, like I, I would stand by your decision, I'd say, to well, well, stay have you, focused on Have you had anyone thing. on the podcast when you thought, oh, oh, you've said something that I really disagree with there, or that, oh, you, you've really surprised me and, and I wasn't, I don't know how, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that. And then you thought, do I keep that in or do I leave it? That's, in, that's a really interesting question. Yeah, I've, I've, I can't, Harry, what do you think? Have we had that? Uh, you got your mic, haven't you? That's Oh. <laughs> so, uh, with Badger, you want you need to, to do a bit of self-preservation for yourself because he, he was a teenager. <laughs> oh, old stories. Yeah. So maybe there's there's maybe there's some bits and pieces of things that we've cut out from people that have known me for a long time. Where I'm like, you know what, we're going to keep that out. But I've never yes. had anything. Not that I'd get cancelled. Just it's just kind of like you know, yeah, you, I was like, young. Um, uh, but we've, I've never had a moment where I've sat here with someone and suddenly they've dropped something and I've gone, oh, <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, ben, don't They're a dickhead. On, Do you know what I mean, I've never had that where I'm like, oh, fucking hell, here we go. But then, but then perhaps you wouldn't because if you're open-minded, uh, you know, as, as we hope to be as journalists, yeah. but I would say you're a journalist too doing this podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, the, uh, then you're like, oh, okay, they believe something that I don't believe. It yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, you cancelled your dickhead. You're like, okay, you believe that. Yeah, yeah. no one said does, anything does it, where I'm like, really... you're an awful human being for, yeah. for thinking this. No one said anything racist or... It's more interesting to find out where, where that's coming from anyway. Yeah. Or like to be like, uh, to, to show people as they really are. 
Yeah. As well, like, like you know, like people are not perfect. I think that's 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 a problem with a lot of um, with a lot of uh, kind of maybe celebrity culture or or idolatry when people really look up to people or they have these the ad, admirations at famous people and they do something that they don't really agree with and you're like people are people yeah. it's not actually it's not i don't think it's very helpful to believe someone's totally evil or totally perfect and good like yeah. people are just not that they're a mix between the two yeah you know they're 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 a bit of both or they're somewhere in the middle like it's 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 too reductive and simplistic to be like oh my god i love this singer from this band and Oh my! I, you know, I worship the ground that he works on, and I, I probably agree with everything that he believes and everything he says. Yeah. It's like, be realistic. Yeah. You don't agree with everything your mate thinks, let alone this fucking random person you'd never met. Exactly. You know what um, I mean? So, so sometimes when I do think, and the same as like, oh my god, this guy's a monster. He's a mon-, you know, people say it all the time they're a monster. Oh, they're you know beyond help and things like. You're like, who does that help? Mm. Like, who does that really help it's like it's actually way more truthful to go there's a bit of there's a bit of this monster in you as well actually because we're all we're all humans right we all come from the same place yeah so there's a bit of that serial killer in you Andy there's a bit of that serial killer in me yeah you know because we, we, we're we all part of the same Which species serial killer that's important uh, I don't know Ed Gein <laughs> Ooh. do you have to pick one Oh, nasty <laughs> I like it uh, but it's, yeah. <laughs> you know that, that's that, I think that that's hard to comprehend right but it's actually quite healthy I would say to be like there's a bit of yeah. there's a bit there's a bit of um, Bob Dylan in you and me as well. Oh, you know, yeah. you know it depends. Oh, who's your favourite singer? There's a bit of oh god, big question. Uh, Chris Stapleton, he's great. He's amazing. Yeah, he, he's good. He is good. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit of Chris Stapleton in you and me, and there's also a little bit of uh, oh, Ed Gein singing then, and a little bit of Ed Gein. Can you imagine that? It's a Christmas singer. <laughs> bit of a mix, yeah. Chris Stapleton Duet. featuring Ed Gein. <laughs> I got a brand new. I'd apron. buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Santa, bring me a new apron. <laughs> oh God! Right, so, <laughs> where are we going to go from there? Yeah, I think you're right. People are—they are colourful, nuanced, complex things. And 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 I can't remember who said it, but that I read a quote at some point saying that you know we're living in a puritanical age. Mm-hmm. And it's and I'm getting I'm getting a bit sick of cancel culture. I tell you, and I and I and, and I think there are parts of it where you know you want to spread awareness and and you and you want to make a stand for things. That's great, but sometimes it gets ridiculous. Like if I adhere to cancel culture and everything that it stands for, I need to throw away probably all two thousand of my CDs. <laughs> you know, I need to Including throw my record one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to throw my throw away my record collection yeah yeah well do you know what i mean yeah and i don't really want to talk about cancel culture too much to be honest but i think who cancel you know who 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 cancels who yeah you know what i mean you're not cancelled what what people go to your gigs you're not cancelled if people buy your cds you're not cancelled who cancelled you people on people on twitter that you've never met yeah, yeah. nice one you know, I mean? or, you know it gets serious when people get dropped from their record labels but if people don't like something you've said on twitter or you know, if people are, are, are very sensitive or very different to you and they cancel you in inverted commas, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, you're not dead. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not in jail. Well, it's, it's, it's just like, it's just, oh, they're being canceled. Yeah. Are they? Not by me. It's the new, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, you know I, it's, it's like you decide, right? Yeah. We, right. Are, we have our own minds. You know that, right? There comes a bit of social pressure with some of it though, isn't it? It's like, oh, you, you, uh, you're still following dickhead over there. It's like, <laughs> you know, must make you a dickhead. Still following Ben Dover, are you? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know you got cancelled long yeah. ago did you not see that rant um yeah it's it, it, yeah it, yeah it's it, tricky it's and things like you know things like 
serious things I yeah. take very seriously. Yeah. Less serious things I take less seriously. But I guess that's a that's a a, a spectrum that the only I that I, I, I a personal spectrum that I have. Yeah. Things that I think are things that I don't think are okay, like uh someone being a paedophile, like yeah. I think Michael Jackson was a paedophile. Oh you do? So I don't listen to his music. Right. I don't think that's okay, but I think someone's saying something stupid on Twitter, uh, I might still listen to the music. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, there's a nuance. To, again, there's a nuance. To, <laughs> that's my that's my own nuance scale that I've made up. Uh, tell me about Waco. Yeah, so we're a rock band, and uh, I love our music. I am our biggest fan, and uh, <laughs> and your mum. Oh, oh, my mum loves us. Yeah. <laughs> so Hope Rituals, we released it last year. It's great. It's kind of like punk rock, a bit of '70s rock influence, um, and it's kind of. I think we we. We, we're really coming into our own. We've been going for like seven years and uh, we... Uh, seven is an interesting number. I saw an interview with Dave Grohl where he said seven. If you look at the history of bands, year seven is where they either break up or they stay together for decades after. Oh, that. really? Yeah, there's something God, about seven. Interesting. And I don't know, and I'm wondering what it is. I think maybe, I think he tried to explain it and I, th- I think it was like Lars Ulrich maybe or Napa or something like that. But it was like you've got the first few years when you're trying to figure it all out and you're yeah. fresh and you're green and then you've got like three or four years when you're just getting it together and then seven is where you've done enough, you've grown enough that maybe you're just, I don't know what it is, there's something about seven where you're sick of it or, oh, or yeah. you're in. There's a bit of both for me at the moment. Right. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I hope we stay together. It's, it's great fun. We released our album, a new album last year, Hope Rituals, and we, I mean, I mean, you might like it. It's optimistic. It's, it's um we've been through a lot of shit like like stuff that you'd never wish on your worst enemy like um uh our bassist passed away a couple of years ago and it was just I like hear about that, it, yeah. it was just like the worst thing um that could ever happen to to anyone he was so close to us and uh to 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 still remain as a band afterwards or really kind of uh carry on his legacy yeah in such a way um kind of is a bit of a a driving force in a weird way. It's, right. it's like, it's almost like he started this band. He built this yeah. with us, Chris and to not carry it on seems like a disservice to everything that he, that he put into it and yeah. to carry on his legacy and to, to also heal ourselves and, and, and as a form of, of grieving, it, it's been, the, it's been the best thing for us. Like I, I think man, it's been cathartic and it, it, it Yeah. I love us. We are playing. We're going to do some gigs in September onwards. We're playing um, London, Brighton, up north. Where are we playing? Down here? We're playing. Uh, I don't think we're playing in the West Country. This is the West Country, isn't it? Criminal. We played in Bridgewater we're in the West before, country, yeah. but we but we but we will be down here soon. But anyway, we're playing all over the country. Waco, W A C O. I am a walking billboard, a walking sandwich board for us. <laughs> you know, I love us. Of course, I love us. You know, I'm not. You know. You can't be uh, other, proud of other, it. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Like yeah. I'm not. I'm not some coy like. Well, you were all right. No, no, we rock. Yeah, yeah, I love it. We're not the best band in the world, but I enjoy our music. I remember what. <laughs> I remember and I enjoy your music. Hey, well, I was going to say when you say a walking billboard, as it came to greet you earlier, I was like, Jesus Christ, I haven't seen one of those t-shirts in Sick so ones. long. So there's a short print run on that one. I love it, man. It's a great one. Where do you, like you get the artwork from? That is Sophie. Um, oh, 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 oh! I'm gonna have to uh, try and remember her name. Sophie something illustration on Instagram. Oh, it's, find it because I really like the illustration. Fantastic. It reminds me a bit of like cave paintings. 
Yeah, it's kind of got that kind of tribal um, Aboriginal, I yes, guess. Yes, it has got Aboriginal art. It has got that flavour, definitely. Yeah, she and that's does what amazing I like about stuff. It. Sophie, I want to say Sophie Bass. I don't just buy band t-shirts, you know, willy-nilly. Don't. I, I specifically got this because I like the band and I love the artwork as well. Nice. Well, I love it. Like, when you say you, like... You'll tell people like, "Yeah, we're good, we rock." <laughs> like, I, I'm a bit like that. And Ben used to, Ben, our old singer, used to say to me, "Andy, you have the most unashamed ego of anyone I've ever met." Because hey. I'd be like, "Yeah, this is the greatest song ever written," yeah. and like he'd think I meant it. I didn't read really it, but, <laughs> but like it's just we'd have a bit of fun with it. I remember once I started this job; it was like labouring or something, and um, I was in the van with some of the lads, and you're, you know, you're the new kid, and you're a bit green, and they want to sort of like question you a bit and maybe I have a bit of bounce right mm -hmm. and one of the dudes turned to me and was like so uh you're a good drummer then and I was like yeah I'm really good <laughs> and he's like oh. oh right I was like I am <laughs> yeah of course he's like oh, oh. <laughs> yeah mate I'm all, like, I'm all for that be no proud of it lying. be proud of it I ain't lying I'm also, good of, of course of course we're not of course we're not you know we're not the best band in the world but come on it's fine to be proud of what you've done and that's not runaway ego that's just no that's just being realistic be uh, and be and, and bigging yourself up you know people are so ready to tear yourself down it's easy to criticize yeah but it's not easy to create so stop criticizing right. and create and that's for yourself and for other people we so we criticize ourselves we put each other down no put downs of self or others stop criticizing and create do it it takes balls it takes strength to create stuff so go and do it and if no one is your fan then you be your biggest fan I love that's what it. I do I love it. We'll end it on this one. You will never be criticised by anyone doing more than you. Boom. Boom. I love it, man. Big thank you to this week's guest, Jack Hutchcraft. That is probably going to be part one of a two or three part conversation or more with Jack ongoing on the Giant Pod because I just feel like we scratched the surface really with him. He has so many amazing things going on with the band Waco and his journalism at the moment that I feel like there are many, many conversations to be had with him. Uh, we're going to leave links to his music and his, uh, his writing and articles for the Kerrang! magazine and uh, other things in the show notes description. If you want to support this podcast and not spend any money, you can like, subscribe, send it to a friend, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps. If you want to follow The Giant Pod on social media, Twitter and Instagram is at The Giant Pod. If you want to follow my adventures on Instagram, it is Andy underscore TGP. This podcast was produced by the... What are we going to do for you this week? This podcast was produced by the number one objector to the Stonehenge Road, <laughs> Harry Williams. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week on The Giant Pod. Thanks very much.